everyone. Welcome along to another episode of Giant Sisters with Joe Brothers. I'm excited to be with Associate Professor Susie Wiles from the Biolumin Essence Superbugs Lab at the University of Auckland. Dr. Susie Wiles describes herself as a microbiologist and bioluminescence enthusiast. Welcome, Susie. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, we're, t- we're talking in this in the Giant Sisters um, series a lot about the power of intention. How did you design your life and career path, or did it just evolve? Oh, gosh. Um, just evolved, really. Um, I guess I've I've had been given some kind of amazing opportunities and then also made some opportunities and made the most of, of some opportunities. Yeah. And it just feels like sort of one thing has sort of led to the next, really. Wow. And how did you get involved in, in science and superbugs? Um, I, I sort of date it back to getting this really amazing book as a teenager called The Fireside Book of Deadly Diseases. Right. And um, I was reading all about plague and tuberculosis and things, and it just, you know, it sort of struck me how amazing these little organisms were. Mm. Um and I also had a really, really good biology teacher at school. And so she was sort of sparking my interest in biology, biology and I was reading these books about infectious diseases. Um, and so everyone sort of encouraged me to go off to university. And so I went and did um, biology at university. And it was really when I was there that I started to learn more about um, microbiology and then ended up specializing in infectious diseases. Wow. And it was really, um, you know, being at university and then uh, kind of doing an honours project and then being told, you know, you can do research and, 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 you know, science wasn't a career I really knew anything about. There were, you know, there were no scientists in my, in my family. And in fact, um, I was almost the first in my family to go to university, but my dad ended up beating me. Right. <laughs> he decided he wanted to go too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was just, I'd had, you know, family who supported me in, in, you know, the fact that I was curious about things and so I said university is the place that you go if you're interested in learning um, and then everything sort of really followed from that. Well fantastic so I'm sure you've had some unique experiences in your career and the work that you're doing can you share one of those or some of those with us? Oh gosh unique experiences? Um, Glowing in the dark I'm not... bugs? I'm... <laughs> Yeah, so I am interested in creatures that glow, and um, and I guess my career has been to uh, basically take the genes that creatures that naturally glow use to make light, and then put them into nasty bacteria. So it's not really, it sounds unique, but it's you know it's a, it's a thing that um, has been done by lots of different people. Right. Uh, in fact, when I was at so when I was reading or learning all about this um, at university. I just thought, oh, you know, I'd love to do this, but by the time I get, you know, I'm, I'll be ready to do some research, it'll all be done. And then, of course, that's sort of not really understanding how science works. Yeah. <laughs> it's never done. There's <laughs> always something interesting to do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess maybe one of the more unusual experiences for me was that when, so I, I did an undergraduate degree, I went off and did my PhD. My PhD was basically making bacteria glow in the dark to study pollution. Yeah. And it was while I was doing my PhD that I thought, I really like the stuff about glowing in the dark, but not so keen on the pollution side. Um, so I want to go back and do, um, you know, I want to carry on basically doing science, but I want to do making nasty bacteria glow in the dark. And so I was very lucky to get a, um, my first postdoc position was essentially exactly that, was yeah. making um, the bacteria that causes tuberculosis glow. Right. Um, 
Uh, but while I was there, I had this amazing boss who very quickly realized that I maybe wasn't quite the right sort of person to work with tuberculosis because um, that organism is really, really slow growing. Right. And so I would just, I forget that I had done experiments because you'd have to wait months and months for the results of them. And it was yeah. just, ah. Um, and so he uh, sat me down one day and he said, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, there's this particular te- that, technique that I'm really interested in, um, but, it, you know, it's not possible yet to do that with tuberculosis. And so he said, well, you know, look where you are. Why don't you try and, you know, why don't you see if you can make that happen? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he kind of enabled me to really take the step that became what my career was. So I ended up um, genetically engineering this bacteria that someone else worked on in our building. Right. Uh, and, and. And still kind of work on that to the, to this day. So wow. it was a, a really amazing experience where he allowed me to, you know, follow my interests and my passions, which, mm. you know, not a lot of people will allow you to do, really. True. That's fantastic. And it sounds a bit of synchronicity in there as well. Um, mm. And if we're thinking about embracing lessons, what challenges have you experienced has shaped you the most as a person? Oh, that's a really tough question. Um I think the uh, science is is um, is basically a road full of disappointments. Right. And so, I I think that possibly the reason I've been able to cope with those disappointments, then they really are quite crushing. Right. <laughs> you know, we spend so much of our time, uh, you know, applying for money to do science, and I guess that was something I never really understood. Mm. You know, and you see, um, and maybe this is you know, people see me as a scientist and they're doing science, but actually, the vast majority of my job is trying to raise the money to do the science. Right. <laughs> and yes. if I don't do that, then we don't do any science. Um, but you know, there's not enough money in the pot to fund all the kind of cool science that people want to do. So most people will be disappointed most of the time. Yeah. Um, and I really never really understood that until I started you know, getting all these crushingly disappointing blows. Yeah. Um and so I think maybe the that's that that is really that's really hard. But learning how to cope with that rejection, because mm. you end up having periods where you're like, oh, my goodness, should I even be here? You know, am I any good at this? Yes. You know, are my ideas any good? Um, and part of you is just sort of got to go, actually, yeah, I think this is important yeah. <laughs> you need to get validation from other places, I guess. Yes. Um, and I wonder if perhaps if I wasn't quite so um, optimistic a person, I might have left a long time ago. Right. So it really sounds like you've got great levels of resilience and optimism, which is helping you. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's really sad that they need it, though, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Because also, I guess the other thing about, um, certainly about about science we know, is that it's very biased. Yeah. And so there will be people who, uh, you know, will probably, I mean, people who succeed who are no more worthy of succeeding than others, yes. but kind of succeed because all the sort of biases work in their favour. Mm. Um, and so that's that's quite hard to deal with as well, I think. Yeah. A- absolutely. Um, who do you draw your inspiration or what or where do you draw your inspiration from for your creative process and, and the work that you do? Do you want to tell us a bit about your um the sort of the, the luminescence pack that you invented that I I'm when I was you and I met at that Kickstarter event and we were you were look, looking at that would you like to sort of talk a bit about that yeah well again this is you know um I, I think um what what is invention really other than sort of working on what you've you've sort of been exposed to or mm. what others have done right everything is a sort of series of reinventing almost yeah um so well, a few years ago, well, actually for many years, I've, I've um, 
seen uh, things that others have done around um, using uh, glowing bacteria to kind of engage people with science. So there was a, there's an amazing guy um, in the UK called Simon Parks who's done this sort of amazing um, photography and all sorts of things with uh, so using glowing bacteria for all sorts of kind of public engagement sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so several years ago, I thought actually, you know, I would really like to do more of the more you know, showing people this really cool, uh, what, what bacteria can do that's really cool, because everyone's got this idea that, you know, all bacteria germs. And obviously, I spent half my life talking about this kind of coming antibiotic crisis where, yeah. you know, we're all going to die of a superbug. But obviously, not all bugs are bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, we wouldn't have nice bread and we wouldn't have beer and all of these kinds of things without microbes. So there's a, we need to have a, a healthy level of respect for the really bad ones, but understand that, you know, there are loads of good bugs, loads of interfered bugs. Yeah. Um, and so the, so, um, what I did was I isolated this glowing bacteria from the bum of a fish, uh, which is a sort of a, a thing that you can find how to do on the internet. You know, it's, it's sort of an activity that people can do at home. Right. Um, and then got this bacteria and started doing all sorts of kind of cool things, collaborating with artists, doing all sorts of stuff to sort of showcase this, this um, kind of cool bacteria. Yeah. And it was actually a couple of people in my lab who um, – who went on a commercialization workshop and then came back saying, right, we need to start a business. You know, we need to be doing some cool stuff with this. We shouldn't just be limiting ourselves to the people we can reach physically. Mm. Like, you know, when we go off and do events, we should be, uh, you know, thinking bigger than that. How can we um, engage teachers and school Mm. children? How can we do cool stuff that people would want to do at home? And so that led to the launch of this um, painting with bacteria kit that we've got. Great. which is available online, but at the moment it's really only available in New Zealand because mm-hmm. we are working on the shelf life of the kit because yes. at the moment it requires a living bacteria and that um, has a very limited life. Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully we'll be able to resolve that at some point later this year. Okay. Um, yeah, and so the idea was that basically it's a little kit that's got everything you need to make, some Petri dishes and then a little vial of bacteria and basically you paint a picture using the bacteria and wherever you paint is where the bacteria will grow mm-hmm. and wherever they grow they will glow and it's just I, mean, I kind of love how it sort of freaks people out and then that it's both a beautiful thing but then they're also like but it's bacteria and of course we have this you know idea that bacteria are all bad so yeah, i like how it's challenging those kind of ideas for yes and well i'll find the link from you and we'll include that in um wherever i um, share the giant sisters podcast too um, sheroes and heroes, who are your role models or inspiration? Where do you draw that from? Oh, um, all sorts of different places. Um, I feel like I'm kind of going on a, a, um, a bit of a journey at the moment. Um, you know, I, I kind of have been brought up in this culture of, uh, you know, that science is best and there's a particular way to do it and everything. Mm. And I've, and, and moving to New Zealand and, and meeting, um, many uh, Māori researchers has really started to challenge that for me, you know, yeah. understanding uh, their difference in their culture and how they approach their science and stuff. So I've met lots of people. Um, a really inspirational person for me is um, a geologist called um, Daniel Hikaroa, who has been telling me all these stories about the Tanifa, you know, which is yeah, a, yes. sort of Māori monsters. And it turns out that a, a lot of these things are actually kind of stories about science. They're, wow. you know, they're, they're, I mean, one of the stories 
she tells is of a of a um i think it's a lizard uh, that has the sort of swishing tail and yeah. and really that was a story about flooding and rivers and how oh. rivers change their path the the swishing of the tail of yes. the lizard is how the river changes when when it floods and things and so that was a story about where you built your houses or where you didn't build your houses and things and so you know learning these kinds of things and how there are different um that you know we have this sort of one idea of what what doing science is but actually there's lots of different ideas and then also how you communicate it mm. there is not just the you know written paper but there's sort of cultures that have oral traditions that can also um, sort of encapsulate that information so that has been really interesting um, yeah. having come from this background where you know it's like oh it's this way it's like well, actually maybe it's not <laughs> yes um and uh, yeah so that's that's sort of really interesting um i've got an, I've, I've just i'm surrounded by amazing people who um inspire me in all sorts of different ways i guess another one of them is a lovely lady that i work with um who's a historian called kate hannah yes. and she she's just she's it's been again as a scientist who's at a very scientific kind of you know path mm. i haven't really had much to do with the humanities she's been very instrumental in making me see that it's not science versus everything else mm. that actually the the humanities it's really really important for putting a lot of science in context mm. um and that again that has been sort of an amazing thing to be learning and and it's also made me really much more vocal about um uh so for example i work on trying to develop new antibiotics to save us all from these superbugs that are going to kill us all yes. um but actually science science can help us come up with new treatments and things yes but science is not going to help us deal with underlying reasons why we might have really high rates of infectious diseases right those are social issues right and so it's a sort of combining the science and the humanities that it's only these it's, it's all of these things that are going to help us solve life's problems not just one or the other yes. and so i've you know I'm, I'm kind of becoming much more vocal about you know it's great that you're relying on us to do this work but actually shouldn't we all be doing what we can yes. to deal with some of the underlying social stuff um and lots of people don't like that lots of people don't like pet scientists sort of standing up and saying that thing. but actually i'm not just a scientist i'm a human being i'm a citizen yes um and so why should i not feel that way about these things yeah I, li I like that approach that you have mm. yeah absolutely and i've actually just had a really lovely email today i'm going to email the lady back and say thank you so yeah. i gave a talk on friday to mm. a, a group um it's sort of a rural health group so it had gps and nurses and who are working in rural health and um one of the so i you know i made my kind of we need to deal with these underlying issues kind of uh spiel at the end of my talk yes um but uh, uh one of the gps um got up and basically started on a little bit of a rant which was essentially you know lots of people who are demanding um demanding antibiotics are i think he called them demented demented women oh. with snotty nosed children oh dear and so you know how what are we going to do about them and i was so i was just like can we just stop you there for a moment yes <laughs> that demented woman you know might be holding down two jobs and yeah. she desperately needs to get those children back to school or daycare so that she can keep a roof on their head so i was like can we not make judgment calls like that about, yes. <laughs> about people and maybe think about you know what is it that they that she might need to support her you know, mm, so that, that, that she understands why it's not appropriate to take um, antibiotics. And what I got was a lovely email from somebody specifically talking about that. And she says, thank you for championing the social cost of these issues. That's and great. And refusing to accept the stereotype of nagging mothers. And I was like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Absolutely, Susie. <laughs> um, That's yeah. great. So... 
which also brings me to another thing that I think is um, is really important. And, and again, this sort of comes from Kate Hannah, um, this idea of kindness. Yes. So her, her motto is um, everyone here is, is smart, so distinguish yourself by being kind. It will, um, yeah. And it's something that's really making me kind of like, yes, you know, we, we all remember the 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 sort of the acts, those little acts of kindness that are kind of unexpected, but yes. they change your day. They do. You know, when you, when somebody does something nice, it's like sort of oh, <laughs> that's really lovely. Yeah. And and so that whole idea of kind of of just doing that for people around you and sort of you know paying it forward rather than than being a grump all the time. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so I'm sort of trying to do that. I'm trying to be more kind because. My goodness, the world needs more kindness, doesn't it? A hundred percent agree. Absolutely, a hundred percent agree. Um, and in terms of giving back, it sounds like you know, you by the work you do, you do a lot. Do you get involved in any sort of community projects or helping individuals or mentoring and things like that? Um, I do a little bit of mentoring. Okay, kind of everything is um is sort of quite informal. I mean, I have you know, I have a group of. Uh, sort of colleagues and friends who we mentor each other. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I do a lot of work around, you know, going into schools and talking to um, yes. young women about science and careers in right. science. Um, although I'm, I don't know whether I might start getting disinvited for those things because, you know, while lots of people see me as an, an advocate for women in science, um, yeah, you know, in biology, we've we've got plenty of women coming through the pipeline. I've right? got plenty of young women who are really interested in doing biology, but we don't have quite so many senior women. And that's partly because, you know, there's just so many things that essentially stop women from progressing or just or make them make yep. them really good choice for them that mm. this is not the right place, right? Yes. And so I I often when I talk about kind of a career in science i warn young women of the sorts of things that if they came in today they would be encountering mm. the sexism the misogyny all of those kinds of things yes. and um and i'm not sure whether teachers want to hear that but i think it would be irresponsible to be encouraging young women to come into science not warning them that this is not a safe environment for all of them right now mm. um so i would like to do more to make this environment a better place yes and that's very hard <laughs> yeah um but that's the sort of thing that i'm quite focused on now how do we how do we again make make people behave better how do we make it so that everyone has has the opportunities and the likelihood that they mm. will all succeed rather than it, you know, being certain types of people do you think it's because there is an uneven balance of male and female energy and representation in the industry oh absolutely but it's partly because a lot of the uh, a lot of the ways that we um we reward success. I mean, it's it's sort of uh, well. There's not only the ways we reward success, but it's also the biases and how mm. how decisions are made um, can be very very detrimental to anyone who isn't an older white man. Yes. Basically. Yes. Or for following in the footsteps of a very senior white man. I understand. <laughs> you know, yep. I mean, there's so much evidence of this all over the place about you know who gets invited to speak at conferences and mm. that you know people tend to invite from their networks and then if you you know when your networks are are not particularly diverse then mm. the same sort of people start getting invitations mm. and those are the kinds of things that really count for promotion. So yes. of course you'd be more likely to be promoted if you if you had those things. Mm. So there's mm. just all sorts of little things and and I guess the the, the the upshot is that men and women are both sexist. So, you know, and it's sort of like a social construct, right? That we, we have ideas about 
what men and women are supposed to do about, mm. you know, about who's supposed to be good at stuff. I mean, one of the things that I've really encountered um, is to do with my hair. So I've got lots of pink hair. Which is gorgeous. And yes. I, I like it. I like it too. <laughs> but it is, a, it, is a real, it is a real barrier for some people. Because really? they just cannot take me seriously as a scientist. Right. Because I don't look the part. Right. And, you know, what on earth has the colour of my hair got to do with my ability to do science? Well, that actually, that is very similar to why I'm doing Giant Sisters and looking at um, the representation of the male-to-female ratio in movies and TV and the Mm. amount of speaking that a female gets to do versus a male is like 30 to 70%. And as I understand completely what you're saying, and... Um, I'm hoping that we are going to build a kinder, more balanced world. So, hundred percent agree. But and it, but it comes down to doing it with children. Yeah. Which is also really, really hard, right? Because again, there's been some really great research showing that when you put adults in a situation where they are interacting with a child and like a whole bunch of toys they'll be pushing the certain kinds of toys on the boys and they don't mm. even realize they're doing it yes you know and they've, they've done this great research where they basically put the, the children in different colored clothes and then see how people react to them whether they think it's a boy or a girl right and you know so this is the kind of these are the sort of social constructs mm. that we have that we treat we have these inbuilt ideas and we treat people differently um and that's a really hard thing to change mm. um but it's the kind of thing we have to change, really. Well, you're leading the way with your hair and, you know, just challenging. <laughs> you know, bring your full self to work or bring your full self to the world, you know. If everyone was doing that, I think the world would be better as well. So, Susie, yeah, I'd hope so. <laughs> are there, um, do you have any other um, new innovations or projects you're working on this year? Um, yes, I do. Uh, it's a project that's been working on, been working on for about 18 months and it's about to come to fruition. Great. Um, so I uh, won a prize a few years ago um, with a little pot of money to um, spend on doing some science communication. Mm-hmm. And what I have done with it is um, made a very short little series um, about microbiology for kids. Oh. But it's hosted by my daughter, Eve, yeah. who's 11. And it has just been such a fun thing to work with her. Um, Great. Sort of you know, it's just been, yeah, it's been really fun. So there's just four episodes. Um, uh, hopefully they're going to be out um, sort of on online mm-hmm. uh, in the next month or so. Um, and I'm really keen to see what people and what, you know, what kids think about it. All the sort of test shots we've done have been um, very successful. People have both grossed out and intrigued at the same time, which is yeah. <laughs> what we set out to do. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so what I'd, I guess what I'd like to do after that really is sort of come up with some resources that allow teachers to sort of use those um, to, again, teach sort of kids more about microbiology. And where will the um, – is this a video series? Where, where, where can we find them? Yeah. We're just busy in negotiations at the moment, so I, I believe it's TVNZ are launching a new kids platform um, right. online, and so we're hoping it's going to be up on that. And if not, it'll be on. It'll be up somewhere yeah. online at some point. Okay, yeah. great. And as we reflect here in New Zealand on our 125th year anniversary of suffrage, what are your thoughts on the current status quo here in New Zealand and around the world for the life and opportunities for girls and women? Well, things are obviously better than they used to be, but they're not <laughs> they're yep. not good enough yet. Correct. And yeah. and again, I think it's you know we we all have to be mindful about how we um, how we treat others and the biases that we that we have. Mm. It's not just about the differences in how we treat men and women, but mm. the differences.
differences and how we treat people of different cultures and ethnicities. Um, you know, all of these kinds of things. We all have these biases in us and we have to stop ourselves. And so I would hope that this is a year where we can sort of champion that, you know, we need, you know, a sort of a, a year for reflection, I guess, or sort of self-reflection. Like yes. what, what are our biases? How can we bring some of those to the fore? And how will we battle them on a day-to-day basis mm. so that we can be better people? That's a wonderful end to this conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lizzie. Lovely to talk to you. And you. Thank you very much. Thank you.